Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Just before we get going with our, our gathering together, um, just to let you know, for those of you here in the church and for those of you who are planning to, to be back in person shortly, uh, we're making some changes and improvements to, to make our in-person gatherings um, more and more uh, fun and, uh, and, and, and engaging. And one thing that we're starting from today is for those of you with children here, um, we're gonna have a worship time now, which is gonna be um, really incredible, I'm sure. After we get th through kind of our second song, if you're here with children, um, Grace is gonna be um, probably at the back of the church, um, at the stairs there, um, probably waving and beckoning. And, uh, and the idea is that families will be able to go down into the family room downstairs, and there's gonna be be some fun and games and craft and all sorts of great things for children to engage with. And, um, and that will be going on through a little bit of our worship time and a time of prayer. After that, families, you're welcome to stay downstairs and watch on, on the screen and hear everything and craft and have fun downstairs, or you're more than welcome to come back up into this main space. But we're wanting to really honor the families who are coming into the building, and so hopefully that'll be an awful lot of fun. And I've told the ushers that if they see any of you adults going downstairs for craft and games to send you back, um, unless you're accompanying a child, of course. So uh, uh, don't, don't go stealing a child just to get downstairs. Come on. Should we we come and praise God together. And uh, church, would you lift your hearts? Come on, let's lift our hands. And we're going to come and we're going to say, God, we love you. We're so glad to be gathered together according to your call upon our lives. And that Lord Jesus Christ, what you have declared over us is unfailing truth. Jesus, you have said that we are yours. And so it is so. God, you have said that you'll set us free. And so we are free. Jesus, you have said that we are healed, and so we are. And Lord Jesus, we're thanking you that we are walking in these truths, experiencing them more and more until you come again and fulfill all your words over us. But Jesus, this morning we're celebrating that we are God's people, that we are your family, God, and we get to celebrate your goodness together as one. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. This week I've been reflecting um, on words that we find them in Matthew's gospel, but they're from Isaiah 42. And we're pointed there towards Jesus. And Isaiah, inspired by the Spirit, wrote about Jesus like this. Behold my servant whom I uphold, 
my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Well, setting aside, church, that here we are in the coastlands (laughs) and the goodness and the grace of God has come to us. I've been reflecting upon how our God is gentle and lowly and he's gracious and good and kind to us. I don't know about you, but sometimes do you want time to kind of speed up a little bit, things to happen a bit quicker? Anybody waiting for Monday? Is it Monday? Are you waiting for June, the whatever it it is, and waiting for things to ease? The Bible says that God is not slow. You know, we think we know about slow and fast. We think we know about times. The Bible says that God is not slow as some of us, me included, count slowness. Rather, what is God? Does anybody know? He's patient. He's patient. He doesn't want us to be lost. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants people, including us, to come to repentance. Everybody to be changed, transformed, brought near, renewed. Anybody feel like a bruised reed? Anybody ever feel like this? Anybody ever feel like a smoldering wick, a little flickering candle? You feel like you're on your last little bit, not much left. You could go out with the merest breath, and yet God, he comes to renew and restore. We are approaching Pentecost. It's coming next Sunday. We're a Pentecostal church. (laughs) We believe that the fullness of God's spirit is present among his church to renew us, make us new, sanctify us, accomplish his purposes, empower his uh, body, the church. And as we approach Pentecost, what's really been on my heart is, you know the old hymn, they were gathered in the upper chamber. Do you know this one? If you've got to be old for this one, or have been raised in church since before you were born like me, Um, I'm not that old, but you know, they were gathered in the upper chamber, it goes, as commanded by the risen Lord. You know this one? Do, do anybody? Okay, two heads are nodding at me. Everyone else is like, what are you talking? Three, at four, hallelujah. I see that hand at the back. Thank you, Bola. Um, and, and the chorus, it gets the chorus, and, it, and, it's, um, and, uh, and, and it's so we are waiting and expecting. Now in faith, dear Lord, we call. And then it's let the fire fall. <laughs> But just for a moment, church, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you how we can process this through the week and, and up to Pentecost in a moment. But just for a moment, let's practice this, shall we? We are waiting and expecting. And just in this moment, I'm not really asking you to do anything. Isn't that good news? <laughs> but just to reflect upon the goodness of your God, your patient God who calls you to repentance, your loving, tender God who doesn't come to tell you to man up or crack on with it or do some more, 
but comes to you so that you might be healed and made whole. Who comes to you as you flicker and his fire falls. So I'm going to be quiet. And church, we wait and we expect. And if you want to raise your hands, you can. If you want to kneel, you can. If you want to sit or stand or however you want to be before your God, we're waiting and we're expecting. Thank you, Jesus. so thankful for your presence with us. And dear God, we know you're calling us to wait and to expect. Jesus, even as we've just crafted these few short moments this morning, Lord God, we are, please God, we're, we're covenanting with you this morning that we will be a people who wait and expect. This week, Lord Jesus, these days, we want to wait upon our God and expect. Just for a moment, church, can I invite you? Can we stand together? We're going to sit again in a moment, don't worry, but can we stand together and just in a microcosm we're just doing this process waiting expecting now in faith dear lord we call and and i'm going to invite the band just to you know maybe just to begin to play and it really it's a bit like aaron and her <laughs> lifting the arms yeah and and encouraging the church and i want to invite you church to call out upon your god and please don't misunderstand me it's just not inviting you to to do what you don't have in you if the call of God, a call upon God that's within you is the call of lament, then, then call it out. There's nothing wrong with that. If the call of God is a call of desperation, then call it out. If the call of God is a call of praise and adoration, then call it out. 
if the call of God is a call for the, or the fullness of the kingdom of God to come in these moments, in these days, then call it out. But can I invite you, church, just to call out what God has placed on your heart this morning. And as the band just begins to play and to lift and to lift us with worship and with all that we have, lift your voice and call out upon your God what is on your heart. Jesus, oh, we worship you. We adore you. Oh, we lay our lives. Oh, church, if, if you've come with somebody today, maybe you just grab them by the hand. Would you do that and just encourage the person you're with? But if you haven't, just, I mean, know that God has got us all by the hand. He upholds us with his strong right hand. If you're at home and you're with somebody, grab them by the hand. We know that God is grabbing us all. He's holding us all. And, and as in faith, dear Lord, we call, let the fire fall. I'm reminded of Mount Carmel. And, uh, and they're going to call upon the fire of God. But they, they've built the altar of God. And they've laid in the sacrifice of God. And it's a statement of faith. And everything around them is saying that, you know, that everything's broken and that there's no hope. And then God tells them to soak it. <laughs> and this morning it seems to me that, you know, if we bring these offerings of sacrificial praise and of worship, if we lay our lives down before God in faith, there's a soaking of these things and there's the soaking of tears. And church, can I encourage you to cry a little bit more? It sounds a weird thing to say, but can I encourage you to let it out a little bit? Don't bottle it up. And we soak we soak our offering with our tears but but here's the wonder the fire falls and when the fire falls it, it licks up the water just all of it every tear that you cry it's, it's, it's treasuring the offering it's the tears of obedience it's the tears that say this matters this is worth something and then the fire falls and every drop is consumed in his fiery presence God takes it to himself 
and he consumes the offerings. You, know, you lay your life down, you give yourself, you say, God, whatever it is, whatever it takes, you consume it. And your God, he consumes in this way that he consumes what is of things past, what we've brought from where we've been. He consumes it so that the, the former things, we, we don't have to remember them anymore. But he consumes them honoring our offerings for today and for tomorrow because your faith, it's present future. It's present future. When God consumes what has been brought, then that's gone. But God consumes for your future also. And it's a testimony that though there be difficult days ahead, God is present. He has not forgotten you. He's present with his people. He is here. He is with us. He will be glorified in these days. He will accomplish his good work through his good people. And so we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord Jesus Christ, we're, we want to be people, Lord Jesus, who are willing to lay down everything that we have in these sacrifices as testimony of your presence, of your, your coming, Lord Jesus. And God, we, we want to be people who, who sow in tears and reap with gladness, with thanksgiving. And so, Lord Jesus Christ, we're perfectly content to bring everything we have, God. Everything we have. We trust you, Jesus. We trust you. We trust you, God. We trust you. We trust you, dear Lord. Amen. And amen. And if you're with somebody here this morning, and even if you're just saying it along the road to somebody or saying it at home, would you just turn to somebody and say, I, I trust Jesus? And just encourage them with your words of faith. I trust Jesus. And even if you're not sure whether you're wholly, fully, completely understand what that means, then maybe if you feel that you can, and don't, and don't fake it, but if you feel that you can, just say it to somebody who's near you as a sign of your faith in Him. And let God do wonders in your life. And please be seated. More than welcome to be seated. Praise God. Praise God. Now as we're preparing this morning for what we're going to share this morning. And, and I guess it will become apparent we're doing things a little bit different this morning. Um, I said I would share a little bit of how we're kind of going to be journeying towards Pentecost Sunday, which is next Sunday. You'll know we've been talking about it quite a bit, um, that next Sunday uh, we're, we're going to have a bit of a party. Uh, any, anybody, anybody like a bit of a party? I hope so. I hope so. And, um, you know, as a church over these recent weeks, we've been celebrating our diversity. We've been celebrating I suppose our main principal focus has been on the fact that God has gathered us together from the nations. And it's not been by accident. It's been by his design, his good and gracious purpose, that we might reveal something of, of God's plans and purposes here on the Wirral. Who knew that a little bit of heaven has come in Birkenhead? Uh, did you know that? It's come upon the Wirral and, uh, and it looks like you. Uh, do you want to look at somebody near you and look at them? They look heavenly this morning. Don't look at me. Uh, tell someone near you, you look heavenly this morning. You look heavenly. Um, <laughs> Some of you say, I said that to myself in the mirror anyway this morning. 
I was shaving. You look heavenly this morning, doing your hair. Um, but we've been celebrating our diversity, but not just our, our nationalities, our ethnicities, the colors of our skin, our languages, although all of these things are gracious, precious gifts of God that we really do celebrate here. We're celebrating all of our other diversity, the fact uh, that the Christian church is made up of men and women, equally alike, bearing the image of God, equally full of dignity and promise and purpose in the in the the church of Jesus Christ we've been celebrating that we're a multi-generational church that God doesn't say to anybody you're you've reached a certain age you're retired from being a Christian now uh, you can just take a back seat it never happens never happens and God never says oh you've got to get to a certain age before you can you can open your mouth or say something or or be a part that doesn't happen that doesn't happen, which is why we encourage children to shout during this. No, no, we do. I, maybe, maybe we do. That everybody, no matter your background, doesn't matter whether you're wealthy or not wealthy, educated or feel that you're not educated, doesn't matter. Everybody is part of God's diverse purposes. We're going to be celebrating that next Sunday. We're going to be having an international feast. Uh, I'm going to be having an international. Me and Ronald, I think, are going to be having an The rest of you, you're not excited enough. Uh, you don't get any. Um, we're going to be celebrating these things. It's going to be a walk-through buffet here, all COVID secure. And then we're going to be going into our church grounds next door. And, um, and we're going to be having some fun, some games. We're going to be singing outdoors. It's going to be really, really wonderful. Make sure that you reserve your spot. Make sure you're here. That's going to be fantastic. But as we approach that wonderful Pentecost Sunday, this international celebration, uh, you know, the families, you've got these incredible Thy Kingdom Come resources. I hope you're enjoying that. We're going to be putting out more things via our church prayer line through the week. Um, but when it comes to the 24 hours in the lead up to Pentecost Sunday, church let's pray. I'm going to say it again. Church, let's pray. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be having our own upper chamber. Um, Don't worry, I'm not inviting you to get on the roof. Um, It's going to be virtual. Um, And so we have a virtual prayer room for 24 hours. And we're inviting everybody in our church, I know a number of you have picked up on this already, um, to take an hour slot. And don't worry, um, because it's virtual, you can take the same hour as other people. You don't have to worry about being in a big room with lots of people or anything like that. You do it at your home. You can be in your jammies. Uh, You can have a hot chocolate or whatever it is. And um, we're inviting you to pray for an hour through that 24-hour period. We are waiting and expecting. Now in faith, dear Lord, we call. And we're trusting and believing in God for really good things. Oh, can I get a better amen than that, church? (laughs) Honestly, just because you're wearing a mask, I know who's saying amen. I can tell. Um, No, I'm not going to guilt you into saying amen. I just hope that you're encouraged. So the sign-up details, they're available on our online notice board, that link tree that we send out all the time. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, say to me afterwards, Pastor Greg, what on earth are you talking about? Come and find me and I'll help you. Everybody in church. And it's not just us. We're encouraging all the other Elam churches across the world, all the way from Ellesmereport to West Kirby and Wallasey. They're going to be joining us as well in this 24 hours of prayer as we journey toward Pentecost. Is that a good thing? Oh, it's better than that, you miserable bunch. Come on, is that a good thing? Are you going to pray? It's getting quieter. Are you going to (laughs) pray? Come on, pray, church. Prayer moves mountains. And oftentimes the biggest mountain. Do you know what what it's found? 
in here and in here. There are mountains in your heads and mountains in your hearts and God longs to move them but you've never asked him. You've never asked him. And even sometimes you have asked him but you haven't meant it. And you carry around a mountain in your heart or in your head and, and you're so weary. You're so weary with it and God wants to take it off you because it's not yours to carry. And Jesus, he gives you this freedom. He says, come on, just say to me, move this mountain into the sea. And he will. And he will. You've got mountains in your heads and your hearts, people. Let them go. <laughs> Let them go. God loves you more than you love yourself. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to preach. We'll do that another time. Um, this morning, I'm going to invite the, the, the pastors and elders of the church to come and join me. Um, and what we're going to do for the next little while is we're going to um, talk within our invited series about what's on the menu. What's on the menu. And, uh, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to be understanding that church, if we really want to be this diverse, united, um, other honoring, other preferring, um, kaleidoscope of glory, then we're going to need some stuff on the menu. Look, oftentimes, I think, I genuinely think that many of us, we think, if I go to a church building on a Sunday and listen to somebody else talk, oftentimes me, then somehow the kingdom of God is going to come in my life and my circumstances. Can I say to you, I am fully aware that I do not have this power. You know, the word of God is living and active. Uh, but each and every one of us, we've actually got to do something about it. We've got to apply the word of God within our own circumstances. So we're going to put some stuff on the menu today. Um, and, and as the pastors and elders are coming right now, we're going to take a little video message that's going to come from, from Shagan, I think, this morning. And he's going to tell you a bit about his story of being invited as we get ready. Thank you. I remember the fateful day in 2008. Uh, we had to move from um, Bansley in Yorkshire for you know because of I got a job in Arrow Park Hospital, and um, you know we're thinking we were we had settled in a church in Bansley when joined the fellowship there, and we thought you know we we need a place to go to when we go to the Wirral, so we checked on. Uh, Google, <laughs> as funny as that sounds, and uh, there was a couple of messages by Pastor Epstein that I listened to, and I thought, this sounds like a good place, let's check it out. So we arrived um, <clears throat> on a Saturday, and the next Sunday, you know, we in church in the evening, we kind of sneaked in, you know, quietly, we didn't want anyone to see us, but as we're going to, as we're leaving this service, Pastor Epstein spotted us and he stopped us and he said are you new in this church and we said yeah we are and he said ah yeah it's nice meeting you and we thought that was the end of the whole thing we're not still not sure the following sunday uh we're back in church again and this time around um you know he had told dr abel and uh you know about us and um that day uh was wonderful because we not only uh felt loved but we we gained uh you know a friend uh you know a father figure a mentor in <clears throat> dr abel and we're just embraced by the community uh it, it was it was really 
uh, a lovely feeling to to feel loved and feel embraced the way we we have done. We were made to feel that we matter, and uh, we were made to feel um, included, you know, in in the church. We have actually never felt excluded as members of this uh, family of God. Uh, we have enjoyed God's love in this place, and uh, we have loved coming here. In fact, I must say that since 2008, I can actually count the number of Sundays that we've not been in church, and that's probably because we've been on holidays or it's been because we, you know, we have been at work. Uh, we've made lifelong friends here. It's a wonderful place, and you know, we've really enjoyed our time here. So this is my favorite activity in the house. I really, really enjoy cooking. It takes a lot of stress out of me, but there's a very important lesson for me here. And that is to make a very good, uh, lovely meal. You need a lot of recipe, different things that come together. And that's the thing where we're all very different. But when we come together and we are one in Christ, then we do matter. The flavor, everything just comes out. And uh, even though nobody really invited us to this church, we came to this church and we felt welcome. But one thing I want to tell you all is that you are invited. Wonderful. That's great. Thank you. I thought we were going to see every part of your house for a minute there. We were just traveling around. It's very nice. And I'm taking the fact that you were starting cooking there as an invitation to come round. Um, am I right? I think I am. Excellent. Um, good stuff. What's on the menu? What is the work for us to do? Look, as, as a church, you've been um, invited through this entire series to do five things. Um, to invite somebody, to reach out to somebody who's not like you, comes from a different background, different nation. Uh, they may look, look they might not look like you. They might have a different story to you. Invite someone. And, uh, and then to, to sit down together, to spend some time together. Look, obviously, there are many restrictions at the moment, but it probably looks more like going for a walk in the park or something like that. But to spend time to share Jesus and then to share your story, listening to one another, learning from one another's stories of life and to grow spiritually. There's work to be done. Look, I know there is work to be done in these things. You know, we've been talking a bit about Ephesians chapter 2, and in verses 13 and 14, we know here the work of Christ for us. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Look, it cost Jesus everything to do this work. And there is a work for us also to do. If we really want a table where everybody is welcome, if we really want a church where everybody is valued equally, then you've got to do some work. So what we're going to do is I'm going to quiz our, our beautiful church leadership. And if, you, if you're relatively new to the church, you might not know who these folks are. Um, but these are the elders of the church. Some of them also are um, pastors of the church. And you can see that we're a relatively diverse bunch of people, um, which is a testimony, not really so much to us as to you, as to the church that has enabled us to uh, come to these positions by God's grace that we might shepherd you and teach you and love you well. Um, you might notice um, that we're not as young as we once were. Uh, so, you know, I, I just want, there's room for some youngsters. Um, so, you know, 
Anyhow, I'm going to leave that hanging. What we are identifying is that there are needs, but there are also opportunities. Needs, but also opportunities. And so what we're going to do is we're going to dig into some questions that, that, that look at some of the needs, uh, not only within the, the church of God, but also within the world at large. Uh, what are the needs for us really to actually see something of God's purposes for unity and diversity in this world? And then how can we dig into that? And um, time, isn't it? My goodness. We're going to fly. Um, but what we're identifying is, and we've done this through this series, is that there is a need to address history. There's a need to address our own personal history. Oftentimes, for many of you, it's a history where you have been excluded, where you have uh, been on the receiving end of prejudice or, or poor treatment. And there are systemic histories as well. But actually, if we were to address these, how can we, through the gift of God, through forgiveness and, and newness, how can, we, how can we address these things? And so, Abel, I, I'm just inviting you to speak into those things. Can you do that? They'll bring you on, don't worry. Some of you know, I, I've just lost my father and went to Nigeria and buried him. There's something he always said to us as a child, which I always remember. He says, you need to know where you are coming from, that is in your history, so that you can get to where you are going. And that's in your destiny. History is very important. And if you don't know your history, you may not know your destination. The problem sometimes is that you take on to your history in a wrong way. And one of the things our dad tells us is, please don't allow bitterness, don't allow envy, don't allow the fact that you've been treated wrongly to hold you down because you will stay down. So, some of us have experienced bitterness in relationship. We have experienced uh, what we think is bad. Uh, injustice and stuff like that has been done to us and in the world system. But what's important is as much as you remember that, don't allow it to hold you down. But also remember part of your history as a Christian is that you are forgiven. You're somebody who was far from God who had been alienated from God because of yourself, not because somebody did it to you, but because you lived in a bad way, but you have been forgiven. And therefore, let that be your guidance to forgive others. So whatever bitterness that you might have experienced, remember you are a forgiven person. And that makes it important for you to forgive. Thank you very oh, sorry. Am I? Am I? Okay. Um, thank you very much. You might just need to let me do me. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you so much for that. And um, I think, you know, you, you alluded to it when you were talking about personal history. Our personal histories are not always solely positive. There is good and there is bad. Uh, and sometimes within that, there, there are elements of rejection. And I think we're wanting to recognize that these things, they can scar us. Um, and uh, I think one thing that we're learning to understand, actually, is that 
the opposite to rejection within a Christian context is sharing. And it's actually realizing that God is sufficient and he is able to give equally to us all. And we don't need to hold on to rejection, feeling that there's no place for us because God is big enough to make a place for us all. And Karen, I know you've been thinking about this for us. And how is it that we can create a culture of sharing and deal with issues of rejection? Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because, of course, rejection starts from a young age, literally from when we're born, going older. Every single one of us deals with rejection differently. Um, there can be pain, there can be hurt there. But, of course, sharing is kind of the opposite to rejection. And, that, and we're thinking about how can we share with one another. I mean, over the last few years, and that I'm sure we've found where there's been people in our lives that have actually helped us throughout you know, our journey and actually identifying, you know, we've talked about being a different culture, we've talked about how different we are and that, but who are you actually connecting with? Who do you connect? Do you go out of your way to connect with somebody daily? And I think we need that challenge of sharing. Now, I'm not a brilliant cook, so I think I'm going to go to the Papoulas at some point on there. They're going to share with me. But how can you share? I like, and this is quite sad, I like gardening at the moment, okay? So I could share my knowledge, which is maybe about one out of ten on that. But we can learn and can journey together in that sharing. The Bible talks about us examining ourselves. In Corinthians, it says, test yourselves daily to see if you're off the faith. And part of that is testing ourselves to see if how are we sharing with one another? What can we put, what can we bring to the table that will actually bless other people? What do we need to put to one side as well to kind of say, even though that might irritate me, I need to get over that problem and actually say, give it to God and say, right, I'm gonna step out. Like Peter stepped out of the boat and focused on Jesus. Sometimes we have to come out of our comfort zones and say, right, I'm going to make an effort. Who haven't you spoken to in this last week? You know, maybe a friend or somebody distanced you haven't spoken to for a while. Can you actually share what you have? Share your knowledge with them. Share your love with them. Share your food with them. My fridge is permanently empty, so please feel free to share your food with me. I'm very happy to eat that. But just share what you have because other people don't have what you have. So how can we bless people? Test yourself to see if you're the faith daily and see how you can share God's love and make a difference. Because we're called to be the light in the darkness. I really like that. And and just being so practical with the idea of sharing. Um, I know that my kids agree that sharing is a good idea in principle. But when it comes to the practice, <laughs> and, and t- I mean, to be honest, I, we're a bit like that, aren't we? I don't think we ever really grow up out of that. It's, it's, it's hard. I, I heard somebody say, and, and listen well to this, because it's going to sound a bit wrong to begin with, but they were describing Christian community and how it is that if we're honest, when we really invest in one another's lives, you will find that some people will irritate the hell out of you. Now, d- please, don't, don't misunderstand me. Because actually, I mean exactly that. That sometimes our difference and, our, and the way in which we kind of sometimes will rub up against one another actually gets something of the hell out of us. But here's the glory. It can irritate the heaven into us. 
you're all looking at me like, I can't believe Pastor Greg said that from the, the stage. But some of us, we need it irritating out of us a bit. And, and actually letting us rub along with people who are different to us and sharing our space, our time, our lives. You know, it brings up the idea of the fact that we are truly different. And all too often within church, we want to say, yes, we're different, but then we don't really allow that to change us. And that's not actually diversity. Saying to everybody, yes, we're different, but when we come, everyone better worship like me and do it like me. That's not diversity, that's deference. And that's not God's way. So how do we embrace difference to bring about a shared culture? Ronald, would you mind speaking into that? Hopefully you can see and hear me now, okay? Yeah, um, differences can really make a, an impact in anyone's lives. Um, oftentimes, it's the way we handle or perceive, approach the differences that really makes an impact in somebody's life. I mean, we are all different. Look around you. Some people have white hair, some have black hair, some have brown hair, some have dyed hair, some have, unfortunately, no hair. No. <laughs> But the differences shouldn't get in the way. God created us uniquely. Each and every one of us is precious in God's eyes. And if you are a follower of Christ, you have a renewed identity in him. We are all children of God. That in itself is something that should bind us together. Now, don't get me wrong. We should not push away or ignore or put aside the differences because the nice thing about God is he makes the differences within us and in all of us as part of this mosaic of beauty. Imagine our bodies, and this is what Paul was alluding to in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're all part of the same body, but every part is different. The eyes different, the hands are different, the feet are different, but all of them have a part in making the whole body healthy, growing, and effective in doing God's work. So when we talk about the need for differences, I'm not saying ignore the differences, get rid of the differences. No, let's celebrate that. Let's let our differences make us stronger, united in the fact that God is our Lord. He is the one leading us on to become more effective in what he wants us to do. Thank you for that. I really love that. And, and I, I do love the fact that, that, that I get to pastor, we get to lead within a church that is so diverse. Um, and it, it's not normal. <laughs> I want to say that. You know, you might think that this is just every day. It's not. Um, this is an incredibly precious thing that has been really hard won. And I suppose within celebrating that difference, I think what we find is that inevitably we all have to um, share that space. And there are always levels of compromise. I think oftentimes what happens that is wrong is that the compromise is tilted toward the majority culture. So I think within church, the compromise within a British setting is toward a white British culture. That actually, what we're wanting to do is actually say that's only one off. Just because there might be many of that type of person doesn't mean that it is in any way culturally more significant. Actually, we wanted to find a way where we can actually, in, in actual fact, diminish that to an extent so that other 
varieties within our church can have the same. I think it's also true to say that the culture of church is often male-dominated, and, and that it's not intrinsically better. And I can say that as a man. Um, and I'm hoping that all of the ladies aren't nodding too heavily. Um, <laughs> but it's true. But, you know, we have this sometimes within our heritage that we somehow assume that church life ought to be viewed through a male lens. And, and that's not true at all. So how do we oftentimes diminish that so that, so that a female lens is, is just as relevant and honored within the church? And I suppose what we're coming to is this sense that there's only one Lord of the church. Jesus Christ is Lord. And the rest of us are all equal before him. And I, I maybe can you speak to that a little bit for us, Nick? I think most of us, uh, when we, we come to Christ, find initially something of a conflict between aspects of our identity as was and a new identity. We, we become something different. Scripture says if anyone's in Christ Jesus, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things become new. And sometimes it takes a while longer for the old things to actually pass away. There are some things we grip hold of quite hard. Uh, I am, because I'm older, I'm a different person to the person that came to Christ when I was 17 and a half. And that is to be expected. Some of those changes, though, are a little bit of a battle. The idea of actually saying, you know, have you ever heard someone on television being interviewed with quite strong opinions about something, and they might throw the phrase in, we're in a Christian country, or speaking as a, a good Christian, and you're listening to them thinking, that's not really how you're coming across. You know, we've seen a lot of protests, haven't we, over, during the time of COVID. I think maybe when people can't get out much, there's nothing wrong, you know, people love a good protest, whether you're a Manchester United fan looking for fans' rights or all the other ones that have gone before, you know, don't let the facts get in the way of a good protest sometimes. Well, people's opinions, people's intensity of emotions doesn't always reflect the justice of the cause that they represent. For Christians, our identity isn't founded on how strongly we feel. It's not founded on just what we were. It's not founded on injustice that we've experienced. Our identity is founded on what Jesus has done in us. And that means a significant amount of laying ourselves down and taking up something new, humility. It says, in Scripture, Philippians 2.3, in humility, value others above yourself. And that's what Jesus lived out, and that's what he asks of us. Jesus actually said, as we know, do to others what you would have them do to you. Applying those rules is how we live with Jesus as Lord. But the great thing about Jesus, he doesn't just give us the advice. He doesn't just give us the commands. He actually lives in us so we can do those things. We can lay down the old nature. We can let go of stuff that needs to go. And he gives us his strength, his power to be able to do it. Jesus is Lord, is our identity. I'm not now any longer just 
a white working class Catholic boy from North Bristol. I am a disciple of Jesus and I will use all those other things if it helps me connect with someone else to share Jesus. But I won't use them for anything else because I don't need them anymore. I don't need those badges anymore. I'm still proud of where I came from. I'm still proud of my upbringing, proud of my culture. But I will put that down if it gets in the way of sharing Jesus with someone. Thank you for that, Nick. I think that's, that's really wise. I think we're all impressed that you've learned so much in the 10 years since you came to faith as a 17-year-old. Um, yeah, 20 years? No, I, I, um, I, I think you, you make it, you kind of lead us in a really important direction there, that, that Jesus as Lord brings peace. You know, he himself is our peace. And a submission to his lordship enables submission one to another. There's no other good reason for submitting to another. And if, if anybody tells you to submit to them for any reason um, outside of shared lordship of Christ, then they're wrong. Um, it should never happen. But when we are one in Christ, him as the one lord, then there's something very powerful that can flow out of that. And I'm conscious of time, but I think we, we want to pursue this a little bit more as we, we, we're journeying heavenward. That's where we're going right now. And we want to talk just perhaps a little bit more about peace in the church, and then we're going to talk of witness in the world, and then we'll talk towards heaven. But um, could you perhaps add something to that, Karen, about peace? When we think about peace, isn't it, the Bible says that God will give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. And we have to ask the question, what is peace? Because in the world, they see peace, don't they, as peace from war and conflict but God brings a different peace to us doesn't he he gives us that peace of wholeness of completeness and there's three kind of ways of peace that he brings so there's peace with God Jesus is our peace within us um, you know due to our sins he's washed those sins away he gives us that peace there's peace within ourselves um, as, as well in him, as Nick was saying, or one of the guys was saying, is we are a new creation. The old has gone, the, the new has come. And then finally, okay, there's peace with others, peace with one another. You know, having fellowship with one another, living in unity with one another, knowing that God is at the center of our lives. And it's important that we value and we understand, you know, what peace is. In Hebrews 12, it says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up in cause and to cause trouble and defile many. It says it there, doesn't it? Make every effort to live in peace with everyone, to put aside your prejudices and just to have that unity and the love of God at the center of it. I, I really like that. And I like the fact that the, the, the peace within that context seems to be the practice of the one who you might consider to be um, the one who has the, the privilege um, and it, it is incumbent upon anybody who is privileged in any way or another to live at peace with anybody who might otherwise feel excluded or less privileged uh, within our church, within our culture. 
It's not ever incumbent upon those who feel that they are lacking or who are actually lacking because of the negativity of the world in which we live. It's not incumbent upon, upon them to do what those who have been blessed ought to be doing. You know, if you find yourself, you know, materially blessed, it's incumbent upon you to bring the peace of that to those who find themselves less well blessed. If you find yourself blessed by uh, a certain status that's accorded to you within this country due to where you were born or the color of your skin, then it's incumbent upon you to bring that peace to somebody who may feel otherwise excluded. I could go on and I could go on. Are you a peacemaker? Are you a peacemaker? I think that's hugely important within the culture of our church. We're wanting to be a church that not only understands these things for ourselves and is embracing these things, but can then speak these things into our world. I, I know Nick said it before. Our identity is not based upon simply the strength of our feeling or how loudly we shout. That, that's pretty much all our world has got. It's got that, that sense of injustice you know, which is there because people are made in the image of God. And then really there's not much else other than shouting a bit louder and kind of really just hoping and hoping that we can speak a better word into our world if we will learn these things. So, you know, go on, Abel, just for a moment, could you perhaps advise us how we could speak this into our world? Okay, thank you. Um, there is a song we sing in this church by worship center. It says, the cross towers over it all. I love that song. I love listening to it. I think if we focus on what the cross has done, then we will speak peace. All these things that tend to separate us would disappear if we focus on the cross. If we know that cross stand above everything that we do as Christians. If we make Jesus Christ the center of everything we do, then it will become very easy. As somebody says, a lot of things that kind of we argue against, they are very, very minor compared to the major thing that we have, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. All of us have come to salvation because of Jesus Christ. All of us have that hope. It does not matter what your hope is here on earth. You have that stronghold hope of eternal life. You know that whether you are poor, whether you are rich, whether you are green, whether you are white, whether you are black, no matter who you are, one day because of your faith in Christ, you are all going to be together and worship the same God in whatever language you have, but you're still going to be able to worship God. So if we focus on the cross, as that song says, it towers over it all. And that would be my encouragement to all of us, focus on Jesus. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, and Nick, I wonder, would you add to that sense of how, how it is that we then take what, what we know, what we embrace, this wonder of the cross into the world? There's a, a saying that uh, actions speak louder than words, and I would add to that, actions do speak louder than words, but relationships speak louder than both words and actions. And when we connect with people, 
and they see in our lives a character that has been changed by Christ. It says Jesus is alive and Jesus is real. If people look at our small groups, our transformed communities, if they look at our church and they see relationships that have a different quality to them because scripture says we belong to each other. You know, we're different parts of the same body. We belong to each other. Then that speaks of Jesus. It points to Jesus and it tells people there is an alternative. It's not just us saying, this is me, I'm a Christian and I'm different because of Jesus. We're not just doing different deeds and acts, but when we connect with people over time, we are open to them. We give them time. We, we share ourselves, make ourselves vulnerable in relationship, one-on-one, small groups with small groups. They see the miracle of Jesus unfolded in us as individuals. They see the power of God at work. And it says to them, there is hope for you. You know, it opens the door for us to preach, but it preaches in itself because relationships speak louder than words. That's really good. And I think, I mean, we could almost leave it there, couldn't we? I think that's such a good final word. But I am going to allow just one more word, and and perhaps we'll, we'll start with Ron and we'll come across, because relationships... You know, he has brought those who are far off near. That's every single one of us. Once we were far away from God, he's brought us near. And he's bringing us near one to another. And the Bible teaches us that at the end of all things, God is going to make all things new. And he is going to have for himself a people of every tribe and nation and tongue. And we'll be before our God, worshipping him. And this is where we're heading. This is what we're living. This is what we're preaching. This is what we're seeking to know more and more and more of. And it's a journey. Uh, you know, there's, there's all of it now, but not yet. <laughs> and, and that's how we're heading. But maybe just, and, and Ron, perhaps you start us, but then if we come back this way and just like a sentence really or two, that heavenly worship experience, that, that vision of a diverse, united church before our God, go on, what does that mean to you? One sentence. (laughs) It's a celebration of what God has done. Because of that relationship, no matter our background, we are drawn together to celebrate what God has done. Imagine Lester winning the FA Cup. People celebrating no matter their backgrounds. They don't know each other, but they were hugging each other, clapping, jumping, shouting, celebrating what the Lester Football Club has done. But God has done far, far more. And it extends towards eternity. Starts from here but extends towards eternity. Three sentences, I think. (laughs) It means to me that I'm going to be myself before God, but also I'm going to relate perfectly with other people, Mm. celebrating one God who had done everything for me and for them, and made it possible for us to stand before him. Fantastic. And for me, I think it is obviously, it's having God at the center of the church. It's that love, isn't it? It's that we we demonstrate the love to one another and we value each other as well. We're not judging one another, but with God at the center, we're valuing each other. We're putting that above all else, everything else. I think the, the belonging to a, 
perfect community to a perfect body is actually deeply ingrained in us all. We, we all want it. We all want to be belonging to this family. But without Christ, we never thought it was possible. Now it is. Now we actually know the impossible is possible in Christ. Amen. Can I invite you, church, just to appreciate the, the pastors and elders of the church for sharing from their hearts. Thank you so much. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I think just right at the end there, as Abel was saying what he said, I, I kind of got boot goosebumps. Did anybody else? And he said what it means to him is that he, when he's before Christ, at the end of all things, he's going to be 100% fully himself and yet fully also knowing and in perfect harmony with one another. And I just thought, I, I didn't say it as good as Abel. I, I got goosebumps. I thought that was glorious. I wondered, church, could we stand together? We're coming to a close now. We're going to close with a, a final um, song of praise as we go. But let me just invite you, three things, church. Um, do the work. Invite somebody. Next Pentecost Sunday, it's our last Sunday in this series, would you reach out to somebody before then? Would you do that and resolve to spend some time with somebody across, uh, you know, somebody who you're on nodding terms with, and, but you, you don't really know one another, you don't know one another's backgrounds. Reach out to somebody uh, and then make sure you're here on Pentecost Sunday to come and celebrate God's goodness and then make sure you're going to pray as well for that Pentecost Sunday prayer. Come on, church. Um, let's pray together right now, and then we're going to celebrate as we go out. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our church. We thank you, church. That we thank you for this church that is a, a wonderful, wonderful body of believers. God, we celebrate them before you. We celebrate one another before you, Lord Jesus. And we ask, dear God, that as good as we are, and as good as it is that you've gathered us together, God, we want more. We want more, Lord Jesus Christ, of, of unity. We want more of, of loving and honoring one another. We want to speak more into this world of need. And we want to see more of heaven here on this earth. God, do this through us, we pray. Amen. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.